Our Old Testament passage today begins a new book, but it ends right where the last one left off. 2 Samuel chapter 1. This is right after the great battle where Saul and his two sons are killed and hung on the walls of Bethshan, that city that we visit every year. Now we begin. After the death of Saul, when David had returned from striking down the Amalekites, this is the people who had raided his city and burned his dwellings and stolen his family and the families of all of the men who were with him. David remained two days at Ziklag. And on the third day, behold, a man came from Saul's camp with his clothes torn and dirt on his head. And when he came to David, he fell to the ground and paid homage. And David said to him, Where do you come from? He said, I have escaped from the camp of Israel. And David said to him, How did it go? Tell me. He answered, The people fled from the battle, and also many of the people have fallen and are dead. And Saul and his son Jonathan are also dead. David said to the young man who told him, How do you know that Saul and his son Jonathan are dead? Now, here's a great leadership truth. Leadership. Ask questions. Leadership always asks questions. You have to get clarity. And the young man who told him said, By chance, I happened to be on Mount Galboa. And there was Saul leaning on a spear. And behold, the chariots and the horsemen were close upon him. And when he looked behind him, he saw me and he called to me. And I said, Here I am. And he said to me, Who are you? And he answered, I answered, I'm an Amalekite. And he said to him, Stand beside me and kill me. For anguish has seized me, yet my life still lingers. Now notice. He's been hit by arrows. He's tried to kill himself with his own sword, and nothing has worked. Remember this from earlier in 1 Samuel. So I stood beside him and killed him, because I was sure he could not live after he had fallen. And I took the crown that was on his head and the armlet that was on his arm, and I brought them here to my Lord. Then David took hold of his clothes and tore them, and so did all the men who were with him. And they mourned and wept and fasted until evening for Saul, and for Jonathan his son, and for the people of the Lord, and for the house of Israel, because they had fallen by the sword. And David said to the young man who told him, Where do you come from? And he answered, I am a sojourner, an Amalekite. And David said to them, How is it that you were not afraid to put out your hand and destroy The Lord's anointed. Then David called one of the young men and said, Go execute him. And he struck him down so that he died. And he said to him, Your blood be on your head, for your own mouth testified against you, saying, I have killed the Lord's anointed. Wow. David never touched Saul, never destroyed Saul, and judged the man who did and had him killed. David respected leadership. Sometimes you wonder, why did David have such a long, successful reign of leadership? Because unlike others, David respected the anointing. And David lamented with this lamentation over Saul and Jonathan, his son, And he said, it should be taught to the people of Judah. Behold, it is written in the book of Jasher. He said, your glory, O Israel, has slain on your high places. How the mighty have fallen. Tell it not in Gath, 
Publish it not in the streets of Ashkelon, lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised exult. You mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew or rain upon you, nor fields of offerings. And there the shield of the mighty was defiled, the shield of Saul, not anointed with oil. From the blood of the slain, from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan turned not back, and the sword of Saul returned not empty. Saul and Jonathan, beloved and lovely, in life and in death they were not divided. (laughs) In life and in death they were not divided. The son stood with the father. They were swifter than eagles, they were stronger than lions. You daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you luxuriously in scarlet who put ornaments of gold in your apparel. How the mighty are fallen in the midst of the battle. Jonathan lies slain in your high places. I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant you have been to me. Your love to me was extraordinary, surpassing the love of women. How the mighty have fallen, and the weapons of war perished. Now people always say, why did David say that? Because Jonathan even put David on the throne ahead of him. David rec- Jonathan recognized David would be the next king, not him. Chapter 2, verse 1. After this, David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go up into any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said, Go up. To which one shall I go? He said to Hebron. And the Lord went up there, and his two wives also, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David brought up his men with him, every one with his household, and they lived in the towns of Hebron. And the men of Judah came, and there they anointed David king over the house of Judah. When they told David, it was the men of Jabesh-Gilead who buried Saul. David sent messengers to the men of Jabesh-Gilead and said to them, May you be blessed by the Lord, because you showed this loyalty to Saul, your Lord, and buried him. May the Lord show steadfast love and faithfulness to you, and I will do good to you because you have done this thing. Oh, wow. You showed loyalty. You showed loyalty to a man after his death. Wow. He said, now may the Lord show steadfast love and faithfulness to you, and I will do good to you because you have done this thing. David said, There is a reward for loyalty. Now, therefore, let your hands be strong and valiant. For Saul, your Lord, is dead, and the house of Judah has anointed me king over them. But Abner, the son of Ner, commander of Saul's army, took Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and brought him over to Mahanaam. And he made him king over Gilead, and the Asherites, and Jezreel, and Ephraim, and Benjamin, and all Israel. Ishbosheth, Saul's son, was forty years old when he began to reign over Israel, and he reigned two years. But the house of Judah followed David. And the time that David was king in Hebron over the house of Judah was seven years and six months. Now notice, David did not force the office. He said, God, shall I go up? Yep, go to Judah. And the men of Judah came and anointed him. But now notice, you've got Abner. He didn't want David as king. So he took and made somebody else king, though everybody knew David had been anointed king. 
Abner was in a position to oppose the next king. Now, that's a great study we'll get into in later days. But I just want you to notice, David did not go out and force the office. David let God grow him into the office. Never force God's plan. Never force God's plan for your life. God's plan for your life will unveil itself. It, you will move forward into it. But you don't need to force it. Just because God said you're to be the next king, David, doesn't mean that you go out and destroy people for it. Truth to remember. Let's open up our hearts and spend some time in worship.
Our New Testament passage today picks up in John chapter 15, John 15, beginning with verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. So Jesus says, I'm the vine, my Father is the vine dresser. So he's the one who cultivates the vine. Every branch in me, now here's that in Christ, this is in Christ. These are the beautiful in Christ truths. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. All right. So God said, if, if there's somebody, Jesus said, if there's somebody attached to me and they're not bearing fruit, the father takes him away. And he said, people who are attached to me that do bear fruit, the Father prunes. Now, pruning removes unneeded growth. This is growth that's not going to produce fruit. Okay, fruit, growth with no fruit. He removes. As a church, that's a prayer that I would pray at least mm, once a week or so. Lord, any staff that doesn't produce fruit, take away. We, we, don't, we don't have enough finances, Father, to, to throw money away. Father, you know the future. Anybody that doesn't bear fruit, take away. And Father, for all of us that are still here, prune us. Take away the unnecessary, unneeded things in our lives that, that we can bear more fruit. Now, I, I would pray that as a businessman. Lord, all these salesmen, all these employees... Lord, anybody that doesn't bear fruit, Father, take away. This is your business, Father. Take them away. I read of a, a guy named, I think it was Jack Welch. I was reading an article the other day. And it said that every year in his company, he fired the bottom 10%. If you were in the lowest 10% of performers, he automatically fired you. There was a Christian businessman in Vancouver who owned car, car dealerships. And every month, he would fire the worst-performing salesman. Every month, he'd fire them. Whoever was the worst-performing salesman in every branch, he'd fire them. Now, now, sometimes you and I listen to that, we go, man, felt like I'm heartless and cruel. No. This is what the Father does. Every branch in me, Jesus said, that does not bear fruit, the Father takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, he he. He works on it so that all of the strength and all of the life flows to producing fruit. He said, already, you are clean. Now, I, I like that. You are clean. Because of the word, I have spoken to you. The apostles were clean before God because of the word Jesus had spoken to them. Abide in me and I in you. Okay, here's this in Christ in Christ's teaching that Paul brings out so clearly. Abide in me and I in you. A branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides or remains in the vine. 
Neither can you unless you abide in me. So there is a flow of life and anointing. Now, people always get this idea that, you know, you're, everything just comes out of you. No, you have to understand, you and I as believers are more like a pipeline. We're a channel. Everything that flows from us has to flow to us first and then through us so that it comes from us. All the anointing, all of the life must flow from Jesus. Now, you know, pastors say, I want to see more miracles. Then we need to spend more time with Jesus. Connect group leaders say, oh, Pastor Samuel, I want to see more miracles. I, I want to see more souls saved. I want to see more fruit. Then more time with Jesus. When you remain in him, that's where the flow comes from. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, I, I know in this modern Christian world with marketing and, and you know business techniques and things and event management, people can put together crowds, but you notice they don't last long. They're, they're, they're things that last for a few years or maybe a decade or so, and then you look around and they're all gone. If, if you want to bear fruit and fruit that remains, you can't do it apart from Jesus. But again, notice the beautiful in me, in him. Okay, these are in Christ teachings. I'm getting all stirred up on this in Christ stuff again. Every time I read through John and I see all this beautiful in Christ and in him and the Father's in me, I just want to go, I want to go and write a whole book about in him. Okay. Anyone who does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. Wow. Does not abide in me. People say eternal security. I don't, I don't think that verse would teach eternal security. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you wish and it will be done. All right. So this relationship, let's make a list over here. This relationship of in Christ bears fruit, answered prayer. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. What is the proof that you are truly a disciple of Christ? You bear much fruit. Not gather, bear. Not gather. You bear fruit. You produce. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. <laughs> Obedience. Obedience and love are connected. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Now again, <laughs> in the presence there's joy. When you listen to his voice, there's joy. Yeah. A young man came to me. Well, not such a young man. Middle-aged guy came to me one day. He said, Pastor Summerall, you always seem so full of joy. Why do you have joy? I said, I read my Bible every day. 
He said, oh, I know, Pastor, you're always telling us, read your Bible every day and pray. I said, no, it's just, it's past that. And I took him to this verse. Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. His words bring joy to us. His words bring us fullness of joy. Some of you, forgive me, you get depressed because you know more about the, the K-pop stars than you know about the Bible. You, you're, you, you'll spend hours on a video game getting to the next level, young people, but you won't spend 15 minutes reading the Bible. And then you wonder why you're depressed. Do you want joy? Read the Word. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love hath no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. So obedience and friendship connected. Now we sing all the time, I am a friend of God. But if you do what I command you, are we walking in obedience? No longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all I have heard from the Father, I have made known to you. So friendship shares life. Friendship shares the dreams and the plans. You did not chose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide or remain. All right. Chosen and appointed for two reasons. Bear fruit, and the fruit should remain. Now, brothers and sisters, straight up talk. Are we bearing fruit that remains? That's what we've been chosen and appointed for. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. All right, now. Here's a condition on answered prayer that nobody ever talks about. I chose you, appointed you to go bear fruit, and your fruit should remain. Why? So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Beloved, if we will just focus on bearing fruit and fruit that remains, answered prayer becomes really easy. These things I command you so that you will Love one another. You know, we could spend five hours just, <laughs> no, we could spend five days just working through this. These are incredible passages. But let's let's take a look over at Proverbs for just a few minutes. We've just got five verses today in Proverbs. Proverbs 25, beginning with verse 1. These also are the Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied. It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings to search them out. <laughs> you know, God conceals things because he wants you to dig for them. As the heavens for height and the earth for depth, so the heart of kings is unsearchable. Take away the dross from the silver, and the smith has material for a vessel. Take away the wicked from the presence of the king, and his throne will be established in righteousness. 
And brothers and sisters, that's one of the things as lead. This is a this is a great leadership truth. As a leader, you love people and you really care about people. But there are times when people really have you fooled. They really have you fooled. And God will help take away the wicked because he wants to establish your leadership. New Living Translation says, Remove the wicked from the king's court and his reign will be made secure by justice. Notice the king's court. Those would be people who are close to you in leadership. Now, now business owners, there are some people that have been with you for many years and you have never known all that they have done. And then one day, God will do something and remove these people. It's because he wants to make you secure. He wants to establish you. He, wa he wants to give their permanence to that business. So learn to, learn to not reach after people that God is removing because you will find that God is establishing you. Hard thought, but something to meditate on today. All right, we'll see you tonight. Get back to the book of Romans as we finish out disputable matters tonight. We'll see you tonight, 7 o'clock.